0: Today, it's the money episode. Why is it that we can go on at any given time and find out exactly how much Taylor Swift is making from her record-breaking concerts? We know instantly who the top-paid quarterback in the NFL is because the news breaks the minute he signs the contract. Your top actor, actress, your top news anchor. We know all this, but in comic books, that creator cash is hidden, it's unknown. Why is that? Why is the comic community so quiet and hidden, and the publishers about who's getting paid, what, where, when, and why? We tackle it on an all new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody, yes, it's that time again. It is time for another edition of Observations. I am your host. Rob Liefeld, we talk all things comic books, superheroes, comic book superheroes, movies, video games, television, streaming, all of it. How it's exploded across the decades since I was a little kid, and superheroes weren't cool. Trust me, I was there, and 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 I hid my comic books because the other the other the other kids would be like, "Oh my gosh, he's such a nerd geek." you know, comic books. Oh my gosh. It, it was associated with being childish and, and, and less development, uh, less developmentally, uh, you know, you, you, were stunted that they, they believed, Oh, poor little Robbie. He's into a comic book, poor little Robbie. Why can't his parents get him out of comic books? Okay. Uh, look, comic books saved my life, gave me a career 30 Eight years going and strong, five decades. That's that's my favorite thing. Uh, 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 another guy the other day printed at, like how he's been in five decades, and I'm like, okay, okay, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, two thousand Okay, I'm in my fifth decade of doing this. I get it. We uh, analyze comic books across the decades, across the eras. We talk about comic book creators. We talk about comic book characters, comic book publishers, comic book events, big giant movies that just. Shake, you know, pop culture and and, and reset every so often, g- g- giving a new character a facelift and, and relevance that that maybe they didn't have uh, a, a few a few years prior. It's it's comic book superheroes all the time. Even my favorite directors are talking about them and 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 getting some feathers ruffled when they just tell you exactly how they feel about how they're just not as into them as maybe all of us are. I don't get upset over that stuff with so many, so many people. It just sets them off. Also, I think it sets off a lot of kids who don't know uh, what taxi driver or, or or mean streets are. But anyway, and I digress. Today, we're jumping right in to the money episode. I cannot believe we have done so many episodes and we have not ever addressed the money episode and you're like what well, are you going to tell us how how much people make no i am not here to tell you exact salaries but good god almighty where in any other uh it, where in any other entertainment platform or or even go beyond that i mean ba- basically even in politics we know automatically it's an immediate search for what someone makes how much is this singer make actor make it's part of the splash of, of the news it's part of when ex actor signs on to star in something that they are getting a 20 million dollar payday jim carrey famously became the first actor to ever get 20 million dollars a movie and i know it because it was my attorney my attorney uh deborah klein she was she's brilliant i i still see her at different functions uh Back in the 90s, she took Jim Carrey. She had Jim Carrey and Dana Carvey, two of the funniest guys in, in you know, all of pop culture at the time uh, across movies, television. You know, Dana Carvey blew up on Saturday Night Live, but Jim Carrey from In Living Color just shot out and it just shot out of a cannon with the public. And with Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, and the next thing you know, he was getting a giant payday, the biggest money ever given to an actor, and we we knew about it because it was front page everywhere, L.A. Times, New York Times. He was getting twenty million dollars to be in the Cable Guy. We know right now what what Joe Burrow is making because we all got that you know alert on our on our phone that update that stated to us. That Joe Burrow was about to be, even if it was only for about a week, because I believe Patrick Mahomes immediately got, got some sort of restructuring, but Joe Burrow became the uh, highest paid player in the history of the NFL. A $270 million deal for a quarterback that has not won a Super Bowl, has not won a Super Bowl game. Yes, he went to the Super Bowl and he lost to the Rams. Uh, he's very young but giant giant you know bet on this this talent 270 million dollars it uh it 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 according to sportstrack.com he received a 40 million dollar signing bonus his base salary will jump from 1 million dollars in 2023 to 10 million dollars in 2024 to $25 million in 2025. Joe Burrow, just stay alive, right? Now, here's the deal. The minute that we all get that number, now this this was released right before the start of the season, of the NFL season, and then he went 0-2. And if you don't think that every uh, mention of the Cincinnati Bengals across all of the different sports radio shows, talk shows off ESPN, off Fox sports. If, if you don't think that they were all leading with oh, the richest man in the history of the NFL can't win a football game immediately. Boom. That number was attached to that person. I don't make this up. I'm just telling you the news. I'm telling you how it happened. And uh, in Cincinnati Bengals, you can revel in the fact that you now have one win. Uh, you, you got it uh, against my Rams on week three. And so now, you know, the, 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 the sun is, is rising and and hopefully you can you can chase more wins and get to that relevance because I'm going to tell you if if the Cincinnati Bengals don't have a winning season that contract is going to be the story of the season over all else and how it's going to hamper you going forward blah 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 okay so immediately a couple weeks later Patrick Mahomes he signs a big deal we read about it you know what you can do you can in 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 uh, in about two seconds you can ask uh, what is Taylor Swift making a night from her Eras tour okay. I heard about it all summer. I heard about it all summer. I have friends in the hotel industries all across the nation, and they would say, oh, man, she's killing it in terms of the economy. Our All of our hotel rooms are sold out. Our our dining is sold out. Everything that is associated with this hotel is sold out, sold out, sold out for six, seven nights, however long she has come into your town. In Los Angeles, here she did six sold out, night at, sold out nights at SoFi Stadium. I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift in 2018. And I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift in 2023, and I didn't think you could get bigger than selling out the Rose Bowl for as many nights as she did in 2018. But oh my gosh, SoFi Stadium was crazy. Already state of the art, incredible uh, facility, and just an incredible sight. And, and, fortunate enough to go and, and watch uh, the, the Rams play there uh, at, at that at that brilliant stadium. But to sell it out to to I mean, way more people than go to a Rams game, obviously, because now you've got the field, you've got you've got you've got chairs, and seats, and and all, all manner of additional seating that, that, that you don't get for a sports, uh, you know, a, a, a football game. And boy, I mean, you heard about it. Right now, I can read to you from Fortune Magazine. Taylor Swift's ERA's tour will be the first to shatter $1 billion, $1 billion in ticket sales. The dollar bill should have Taylor Swift's face on it. Another says taylor swift is making roughly 13.8 million dollars per show and then you just times that by you know the amount of shows she's doing and and then another will tell you that she's making anywhere between 300 and 350 million dollars that's what she's pocketing that's after cost now again you see you you read where she gave 55 million dollars to her teamsters to her crew of course an incredible even my son uh when that broke out, when that news came out about two and a half months ago, he was uh, having cereal, having breakfast one morning. We are walking through the k- kitchen. He's like, You see that dad? What a smart move. What a smart move. I mean, she, she, she's all, all of these headlines about all the money she's making. So she spread the wealth around. And, and then, of course, these articles say, Well, of course, she can afford to. She's doing so well. So, anyway, the point is you can read about what people are making at any given town. Whatever Matt Lauer was making as the host of the Today Show all of these hosts and their their salaries we we remember and we'll get back to this later uh it, it's just in, in in my notes uh when when the cast of the biggest show on television friends they negotiated together they wouldn't they would not be broken you better believe that those attorneys at NBC were trying, and Warner Brothers, who, who who owns and produced the show, and NBC, who aired it, was trying to separate them, but they stayed together. And eventually, we knew we knew because it was all over the news. It was the front page of USA Today, of LA Times. It was on Entertainment, you know, tonight. It was on the 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 you know first or uh, earliest renderings of, of of social media and and the internet that we enjoyed. They made a million dollars an episode. We knew for the last several seasons that every single one of them: Matt LeBlanc, Courtney Cox, David Swimmer. Matthew Perry, I'm going to say them all. Lisa Kudrow and Jennifer Aniston are getting 1 million dollars each when they were all in a room together you'd be like that's 6 million dollars in in terms of salaries but they earned it, right? Because the ratings were there. Again, you you you're assuming that the Cincinnati Bengals know they 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 have schemed it out with their TV rights, with their merchandising, with the entire pool of money that they can draw from, that they are going to go the distance and this this is worth it to lock down Joe Burrow, make this big splash. Now it's all about living up to it. So comic books, why have you never, ever, ever heard about what people make? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered? I don't know what blank blank makes. I don't know what fill in that space of your artist. I don't know what they make. They don't want you to know. They do not on any level want you to know what they are making because it terrifies them. It terrifies everything I just said about Joe Burrow, everything I, I, when we hear about uh, an actor getting a a giant payday and then the movie flops and that's happened. Oh boy. Well, he wasn't worth that. Fill in the blank. She wasn't worth that. You know, leading ladies, when, 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 when the actresses start making more than the men, we hear about it. It splashed everywhere directors, everybody on down the line, television, movies, sports, music, we hear about the giant earnings. And so-and-so off of his album sales is going to make X amount of dollars. And we read about it all the time, but you know where you never read about it? You never, ever read about it in comic books. And no, once again, let me reiterate, I am not here to tell you what anyone else is making. But are there millionaires among right now, 2023 guys making millions, making comics that, yes, there are. And they're probably not who you think they are. And please, dear God Almighty, do not go by those uh, stupid, what is so-and-so worth. I I happen to know uh, two guys, not myself, two guys who are way under, under underreported. And some of these guys are really, really smart in being, uh, flying under the radar and other people are way over like what in the hell are they saying that this guy is worth this much uh the 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 percentage that he sold of his company is 1% of that number that you're being reported but some people have a better grip on on promoting their uh their their you know basically bad Bad intel, bad news. You know what? You know what phrase I hate, and I hear it all the time is bad actors. I hate that, but I'm about to use it. There's a lot of bad actors out there. There's a lot of bad actors, and 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 here's the deal. I remember 20 years ago. Yes, 20 years ago, somebody said because you can see how much I give a shit about controlling the internet is. uh, Somebody said, you know, I can I get those I get those cap images taken down. I can get those cap images. You know, the big Captain America boob picture that always seems, you know, I can cleanse your I don't care for because I didn't believe it. I still don't believe it. So so I don't really go all in on that. But there are people who will offer you their services to maybe make the better news shine and make the bad news or the 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 uh the illegitimate news or in some people make the truth go away. So so that is a thing I, I do know some people in comics who have paid to get, as they say, scrubbed, scrubbed, and I'm like wow that bothered you that much yes so money in comics you never hear about it they don't want you to hear about it you want to know why it's what I said because if you knew how much X guy and, and, and this has nothing to do with the X-men so so this that, that's a bad example I shouldn't be using X if if you know how much uh guy number Z or or uh, Lady Z was getting paid, you would then attach that number to them on every story of theirs you did not like. I mean, literally, again, in, in it, it, what we're talking about is in every other industry, wages and paydays are commonly known. Okay, we the salaries for the top athletes, the actors, the performers, it's all made public. So the aforementioned Joe Burrow, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, we, I, if I went and did, the, did that search, it would tell me what Beyonce just made off her. Tour as well. Kevin Costner, his Yellowstone earnings. I remember reading all about it, and and the, in, the, in these groundbreaking, you know, salaries that he was making. Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. And and his uh, and his Ted Lasso, you know, glow up suddenly. Jason Sudeikis is one of the most successful, the richest, because we're we're hearing about all the money that Apple is paying. These these earnings are regularly reported by major news. Outlets. I'm not talking some podunk, you know, internet site. I'm talking about Good Morning America, The Today Show, the 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 ABC Nightly News, the again in terms of sports, all your major uh, outlets from the mothership ESPN, and of course Fox Sports West, and then and then you get to all the different internet uh, internet reporting. Uh, Comic book talent is terrified for you to find out their paydays because you will then apply their compensation, compensation to the quality of their work, and that is absolutely 100% uh, a fact. And then you're like, Rifle, what are you talking about? Didn't you and the image guys do very well? Yes, and we're going to talk about that. That was a byproduct of the royalties. Royalties transformed comic books. It absolutely transformed comic books. And it uh, increased the average, the, it increased the opportunity to, to really go up to a higher Earnings a higher pay grade. And I have spoken often on this show about when I was breaking in and we would have, we, my, my peer group would huddle together and Todd McFarlane would talk about Mark Silvestri. He would talk about Mark Silvestri all the time, all the money that Mark was making being the penciler of X-Men. And during that period, X-Men was on the rise. Mark's arrival was during a very exciting period. Part of that excitement was what he was offering in terms of the gorgeous men and women that he was illustrating. We had had a diet of inconsistent art for a very long time, or, quite frankly, artists that were, um, you know, that, that 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 were squares that didn't fit into the circle. I mean, good artists just didn't fit the model x-men was in a in a kind of a state of malaise it was still doing well but there was very little excitement excitement about it there was excitement about the annuals the stuff that art adams was doing uh different different specials events uh one shots but mark comes on and a surge of new like wow and you could tell that chris claremont is equally engaged the stories got 10 times better we got one of the best, if not the best, crossovers of all time during that period called Inferno, where you had two top talents in terms of illustrators, Walt Simonson and Mark Silvestri, just going at it, almost like pushing each other. It is to this day. I have that crossover as an essential, which is uh, the essential uh, trade paperbacks are the black and white line art. I have the hardcover. I have the soft cover. I, I when I like something, I'm buying all the formats. I probably have digital files and all that stuff as well. The X Men was soaring. And Mark was making a a huge royalty uh, yield each and every month. And then, you guys, it was going biweekly. And there was a period where Mark, he may not have done all, uh, you know, 16, 18 extra issues of X-Men every year when they decided to go biweekly. But he was doing maybe, maybe 13, 14. So upping the ante, doing even more. So... I did an X-Men fill-in issue during this period. I did, I think it's X-Men number 245. I got one of those royalty checks. Wow. It is especially $1989, $1989 to get a check for $8,000 on top of what you got paid. I'm here to tell you right now, in terms of paid rates, let's just come completely clean. In 1988, 89, 1990. I, when I was penciling and inking my own work, so that's two rates. That's a penciling rate. That's an inking rate. I don't believe I ever made, I, I don't believe I made uh, over $375 a page, $375 a page, which was uh, like, like I was getting maybe $250 a page to pencil and $125 to ink. And those were considered top rates at the time. You didn't get much higher than that. You didn't get much higher. Than that rate, so you know you could you can budget that out and 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 okay on a cover you'd get rate and a half, okay you you'd get you'd get a rate and a half. But I mean again you're not you're, you're sitting there going wait you, you didn't get over over three hundred and seventy five dollars a page because that that that's what I'm I'm I'm, gonna, I'm I'm thinking that's around what I was vouchering for. So I'm looking at making eight thousand dollars a month on a three hundred and seventy five. Uh, the three hundred and seventy-five uh, dollar patriot and again, maybe throw in a six hundred dollar payment for a cover. Okay, so so I'm 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 in the nine nine thousand two hundred, you know, in, in that realm, which is great, which is great. Now, if I can if I can if I can do uh, you know twelve issues a year, well then I'm I'm off to the races. And so that was basically the the mountaintop in terms of. You'd be saying, but but Rob, that's like a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety. It was, yeah, it was, it was a good living. It was a good living. I'm not going to deny you that it was a good living. And I was 22. I was 23 years old. I was I was doing extremely well. My son is entering the private sector with salaries along along that par in 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 the in the private sector working in 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 business. And so it's fun because he's 22. He's 23. He's he's now in those same salary and 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 of course some of the some of the things that we talk about. What do you think we talk about? My son's engaged. He's going to get married. He's talking about future earnings. That's what everybody in his business talks about. That's why they're in business. They want to advance and do better. So that that three hundred seventy five dollars a page, which is again like two fifty and one twenty five. And then I start, I start writing the stories. So you know what now, now throw another $50 a page on there. So yeah, I'm, I'm clearing a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. In, in terms of page rate and labor of producing the comic books. But what kicks it into overdrive is the royalties is the percentage of sales. The royalties and the royalty system was instigated by Jim Shooter, uh, announced by Jim Shooter. Also, uh, uh, all, all of the, all of the, the action done behind the scenes. We actually talked about it in an episode this year. It was in the Comics Journal in 1981 that they announced that going forward they would, in order to stay competitive, with all of the other companies that were were, were rising up, all the independent companies that would, would offer more in terms of sales and percentage of ownership, he wanted to stay competitive, and they created this royalty system, which transformed comics. And it got you to the point where now, so now, so now, if you're doing the X Men and 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 you're getting eight thousand dollars an issue, on top of you know, and I'm sure Mark was making slightly more than me in terms of penciling, but he wasn't inking his own work. But again, you 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 start to to do the math, and you go wait. So 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 sixteen, you know. Sixteen, sixteen thousand an issue times fourteen. Fourteen comics. Now you're looking at two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, you know, or maybe more, uh, depending on because the the sales were going up and up and up and up, and certainly on, on events and crossovers they kicked in. I did a random fill-in issue on a book where the heat had settled. It wasn't Inferno. It wasn't Follow the Mutants. So you can you can imagine if those if those if those rose and took off. So you're 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 talking about, you know, now kicking into in the early nineties a, a quarter million dollars. And sitting on top of the world and doing extremely well. I've talked to you about Mark, Mark and his silver Porsche and his uh, and his beach house, and he's not going to mind this. If you said to this, if you said to Mark at, at a convention, "Hey, Liefeld was talking about your 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 uh, earnings and and uh, and what you were doing," you know, uh, from from all that X Men money in the late eighties, early nineties, Mark Mark will laugh. He he threw parties at his Malibu home. He uh, would drive up to comic store appearances in that silver Porsche. I, I want to tell you. Um, Mark, obviously super good looking guy, super tall, um, very striking. Uh, he was flexing. He 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 did not mind uh, that you knew that he was killing it on those X-Men books. And this is before the advent of the trade paperback, the hardcover, and all this other stuff that's going to kick in, that's gonna expand that royalty pool and expand and give you more. But what happened, and see, so, so, so with royalties, before I get to what happened with royalties, what happened with me on New Mutants is as I've told you, I took that book from 106,000 copies to a million copies. New Mutants 100 outsold X-Men 275. I, I, I reveal that to you you guys on a chart, uh, maybe, maybe late spring, early summer. Marvel's top two books for that month were Spider-Man and New Mutants 100. Went back to press three times, had nothing but the quality of the comic, the art, the story. We had no scratch and sniff. We didn't have a gatefold pullout cover. We didn't have any extra bells and whistles. We were the last issue of a comic book. We were building interest in what was to be X-Force. And people went crazy. That the, the fever was there. It sold out. It sold out. Did I get a check for uh, several hundred thousand dollars from that issue? I did. It was the biggest check I had received up, up, up to that point in my life. And for whatever reason, I think they come a little faster now. I don't really sit and count. But it was understood back then that Marvel didn't give you your royalties for 10 to 12 months. And it was kind of something that all the talent would gripe about behind the scenes. And I even heard a couple of my peers like, they're making so much interest on in our money. Uh, maybe DC was paying slightly faster, but they, they got paid on, let's say, New Mutants 100 or X-Force 1 pretty quickly, let's say within 60 days. And then I had to, and my peers, for whatever we were working on would wait even longer. But it's common knowledge, we've talked about it openly over the years, that in royalties, uh, myself, uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, did we make, I'm, I'm assuming Dan Jurgens from The Death of Superman, did we make seven figures from comic books off comic book royalties? We did, absolutely, it was earned, we earned it. We got you so excited about our work, uh, and, 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 and of course the Marvel marketing department stepped in, or the DC marketing department stepped in, and they augmented that excitement, they, they, they turned that flame up even higher with their with their marketing and their hype. But remember, there's a gold edition of, of, uh, of, of X-Men. I'm sorry, of X-Force number one. There's a, there's a gold edition. You want to know why that exists? Because you sold it out. You sold out 5 million copies. I don't care if you were hoarding a box of them and now you're breaking out those comics because that Deadpool card is worth anywhere from you know, 75 to a couple hundred dollars. So, so you want that Deadpool card, which 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 was deemed his his rookie card, which is in one million different copies of X Force, because basically broke broke down that all of the five editions had a had one million, you know, five different cards, five different editions. Break it down. That there's a million of Cable, the 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 Shatterstar card, the Gideon Sunspot, the Deadpool, and the uh, the team shot. So yeah, if, if you if you bought a case and you sounded it, you contributed. That's that's right. But they disappeared from the shelves. They went back to press, which then created more royalties. When we launched Image Comics, I told you the math that I did was 1%, 10%, 10% max on the best day of what I was doing on my own work at the mutants office. So when Youngblood Number One sells a million, when Brigade, yes, Brigade sold a million, Blood Strike sold a million, those were votes that retailers and you we're, we're, we're making towards all of us. When and look, let's say it: Jim Lee with Wildcats, Todd with Spawn, all the million sellers of the first year of Image Comics. And look, they weren't all million sellers. Jim Valentino, uh, high five hundred thousands. You know, uh, Savage Dragon, four hundred thousands. Cyberforce. Did you know that Shadowhawk outsold Cyberforce? You do now. That's a fact. That was a goal of Jim. He wanted to absolutely not be uh, the, the back of the pack, and he had that great uh that great cover great marketing shadow hawk was a great concept um but not all those books were selling a million at the time but royalties royalties its it's it's, it's easy it's like a, it's like a movie you know so and so got paid x amount to be in the movie you hear about it all the time tom hanks tom cruise they defer they take less money up front so that they'll make more on the back end how many times did we did we read last summer you know did tom cruise make how many extra hundreds of millions, or maybe it was just one hundred million dollars extra that Tom made off Top Gun? It's there. It's there for you. To Google. It's there for you to look at. It's common knowledge. You you can you can you can grab that info uh, with just a click. But you cannot find what your favorite artist and writer. And I'm going to tell you what happened is we talked about in the sales of the early 2000s how they were getting very low. How at one point in 2001, the X-Men sold 90,000 copies. It wasn't even selling six figures. It wasn't selling 100,000 units anymore. I believe that's in uh, the, the, one of the recent 2000s episodes that, that we banked here that I absolutely uh, recommend. One of the reasons that you people have, uh, you people, that sounds condemning, that you amazing folks uh, you awesome listeners have uh, told me again on social media in person uh, you you have uh, shared with me that you you love the information that is dropped the in the 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 details uh, we we try and source all of that stuff in fact I, I I do read out the dates and and the page numbers normally of of a magazine or a document that I'm reading and sharing it with you and so when you go back and you look at some of the previous and you listen to some of the previous episodes Man, my voice may be droning, I may be doing this for the very first time early on, but the information there is solid, it has stood the test of time, it can be vetted. This also can be vetted in the fact that going into the grand scheme of the new comic book millennium, they decided, they, the big two publishers decided to rally around uh, writers. Here's the plan. Let's get some writers, let's, uh, let's promote the shit out of them. Let's, uh, let, 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 us tell everybody these are the most important voices in comics. You heard this, you heard this and they had complicit partners in, 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 in the magazines, such as like, uh, you know, wizard and, and comic book comic books, buyer's guide, comic shop news. They had their ways to get the news out to you. The internet was young, but they were finding ways to, to get, get to you with that information. And they were telling you, we've got these bright new voices. E- Even in the beginning of the 2000s, that was the uh, phrase that Marvel was saying: we have new voices, new voices. Well, those voices were almost all unanimously writers. They wanted to share with you that they had new writers coming on board that were going to transform their universe. Same, same over at Marvel. Uh, same at DC. DC and Marvel really leaned all the way into this. And by telling you that these writers mattered and that you should give them their shot and they had um, done amazing work on independent comics or come from uh, some image uh, publications, you know, that, that they're giving their stamp, we are Mighty Marvel. We are uh, grabbing these writers from relative obscurity where they were doing fun little nice books but very um, very intelligently written and creatively uh, expressed series for for independent publishers. We're taking them and we are putting them on our top franchises, whether that was Spider-Man, Hulk, uh, X-Men, Avengers, and we are going to go all in on them. And we're going to have them do four books a month, four books a month. And in some of these cases, go back and look three to four a month by so many of these different writers. And it was to tell you that now, this is the writer. These are the writers that you should follow, and they in, and they invested their money, their sums, their they, they they gave these writers upfront deals. And I'm going to tell you right now, there was one writer uh, who, you know, hats off, had constructed a formula based on their success with some previous work, watching it go from single monthly issue to collected trade paperback to then a uh, hardcover edition that specific writer was behind some of the new uh, formula that, that, that this new formula that would that would be applied going into the 2000s and i know that this writer occasionally listens to uh, rob's observations so uh, you know hats off to you sir you 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 increased you 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 uh, you introduced a uh, a formula that the char- that, that that was very basic to understand that the that the comic book publishers embraced and turned that that formula on writers first and foremost, and he, it was a Hollywood formula of again, like in in, in Hollywood speak, I'm going to take my movies release, how it did in theaters. I'm going to I'm then I'm then going to take the straight to DVD. I'm going to take the the cassette, all of the different rentals, the the licensing fees that go to the cable networks, and we're going to put that all in one pool. And say that that is what I am capable of giving you. Right there, I want a percentage of that up front. I want a percentage of that doled out to me up front. So it's basically, you know, against the future earnings of this project based on my track record. This is what I want to ask for you to pay me. And once that was broken down in the way that that was broken down, and you could say, no, 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 you can't look at monthly sales. You've got it. You're going to collect this. You're going to make this a, a hardcover. You need to go the entire distance and and go. Just even at the minimum sales that you're going to do on all of these, that is what this this book is going to earn. That is what this, the revenue that this is going to generate. I want a piece of that, and I want it doled out to me up front. And and trust me, that is the payment breakdown of how the 2000s embraced some of what you, you would call their top-tiered writers. This was not available to everybody. This is not suddenly the, oh, we're going to treat everybody this way. Let me be very clear, this is who they had deemed as their special or their elite talent and how they were going to treat them. And so many of those talents that you were reading in the early 2000s were getting whopping upfront money because the royalties uh, weren't reliable, but to take them away from their creator owned work and refocus them or to take them away from the rival, that's that's the two, they, they, they grabbed them from independent comics and they grabbed them from DC comics. Some people crossed the street Some people abandoned their creator-owned visions uh, entirely to pursue doing work for the big two. And it was under this new, hey, this is what we can pay you. And, and, And you heard about exclusives, exclusives, exclusives. This was not something that was happening during the 90s. Because again, the 90s was based on wow. Now, there were guys in the 90s. Who would go to Image Comics, they would do a book, especially 90, 1993, 94, and they would sell 700,000 copies. They'd get a check for 700,000 dollars, a buck a book. Okay, if it was 250, just, just roughly scheme it out. If it's if you want to go, but Rob, it was 92 cents. I don't care. Round it up, a buck a book. Suddenly, they're getting 700,000 dollars more than they've made in their entire career in one paycheck, and they disappeared. And you, you really struggled to get an issue two and an issue three out of them. Or suddenly there was 6 months between every issue that happened you remember that and uh and, and and it was it was uh it was because suddenly wow because the money uh was was something that they had never encountered and and it 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 affected their output so so there were times when that giant surge of money was uh you waving goodbye to that creator <laughs> cuz that creator is now no no longer interested in doing anything at the other than spending that money down to the last dime to to maybe where they're going to wipe out, there, there were several of those stories across the nineties, but none of these exclusive deals. None of these; those were the uh, those were the reflection of this new millennium and how they were going to secure these new names. Now, here's the deal: you you read about it all the time. It's the second contract, especially in the NBA. it's the second contract your rookie contract is is going to be decent you know you're going to get several million dollars but you just i I just showed you joe burrow is going to go from 1 million to 10 million in the course of one year based on this new contract 1 million to 10 million that's a giant upsurge that's a house in malibu okay that's a lot of property that's maybe now by the end of his contract you're talking planes okay You're, you're you're talking elite uh uh, elite living and still again you're like but that's not those billionaires yes the billionaire class has absolutely made made, made their uh made their uh identities known because they want to know that they are flexing larger and uh, and they have now that the, the billionaire class is showing you their I mean good God they're like city block long they're as long as a city block yachts that you're like wow and, and and it's two people on the deck with some help, and you're like all that manpower to, to 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 make sure that I know that you have that big swinging dick yacht, and yes, I'm impressed, and so are you, and that's just the way of things. But the exclusive contracts and the the the, the locking these people down with uh, money against future sales, the ability to wow them and pay them was was one thing, but the second contract, because by now you have invested in. And, and primarily it was writers. And we're going to talk about how artists failed themselves during this period because I watched it. Remember, I am retired from 2000 to 2003. My wife and I are making babies, raising a family. I am reading about uh, comic book, the comic book business from various amounts of blogs and sites that creeped up. Some from like the guys who used to own Capital Distribution, the number two distribution company uh, – they had their ICV2 site that I, I read a lot more back then, giving you data and, and sales on toys, on cards, and comics. And, 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 and really, it for the time, it was very informative. And over time, many more like that would pop up. So there was even more information, but I was just watching this business that I love so much, but I, I've i spoken coming out of the nineties, went hard, went fast, went long, was super tired and ready to kind of step away and watch all this. And so I was watching all of this and, and all of the new, uh, the new business practices that were being implemented towards getting you, your comics and turning things around. And again, with a writer and a writer will tell you this, a writer can write a book in a day. They can, they have, I have and It was a good comic. Now, a book in a day does not mean that shit. Uh, I, when, I, when I was doing Hawkman with Joe Bennett, who before he left the, the the mainstream comic books was doing extremely amazing work, and the work that Joe Bennett was doing with me on Hawkman, I asked, like, when DC asked me, they we want you to take over Deathstroke. Joe had been doing Deathstroke. I said, where is Joe going to go? And they're like, well, well, do you want to work with him? I said, yes. Can you put him on Hawkman? And those that year that Joe was on. Hawkman, of which I did about six or seven issues with him. Phenomenal talent, just absolute, uh, just the, the most like beautiful, beautiful Hawkman that that I had that I had ever seen. I, he was absolutely necessary it, it, to, to, to pull off pull off this vision of Hawkman. But I did those stories generally. I would write those for him in one day. One day. And those are stories I'm extremely proud of. One day does not mean, uh, you know, a lack of craft. It means inspiration. You are inspired. You can do it. Now, I have asked people who script over my work to do it in one day, and they do it, and they do a banger job. What you can't do is draw a comic book in one day. 22 pages cannot be generated in one day. An artist is going to have to take more time, and they are going to have to, you know, even at, at a, a crazy pace, Jack Kirby and John Byrne, two of the most uh, prolific artists in the history of the business, would do about a... It, it, they could do three pages a day. You know, on the seventh day, you've got a comic book. That's if they worked all the way through the weekend. But you're talking about some of the most prolific uh, artists. I'm talking full pencils here or, or, or close to it. Breakdowns, maybe you can do a full 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 uh, full comic in three days, but you're not doing it in a day. If a writer can give you four books in a month and you can make that writer marquee and you can market him as marquee. And then the retailer says, Hey, Marvel's really doubling down on this writer's popularity. I'm going to buy all in because they're buying all in." It's the messaging. It's the confidence and it worked. It worked for a really long time, but on those second contracts, now you've built a behemoth. I can't afford to have this writer that I built up across the street And go to the competition. I can't have my big DC talent go to Marvel. I can't have my big Marvel talent go to DC. And hey, is that some new exciting guy over at Image? Should should we grab them as well? This is all the stuff that was happening six, seven years, 2006, 2005, 2000, right around that era. Because I know know two writers during that time who decided to play the big boys against each other. And for one, it got the results they did not want. Because the one publisher said, we've taken you as high as we can. And that person had actually gotten a higher bid from the rival, which he was only intending to use the rival to get what he wanted at the place that he was then, was currently at. But the place that he was currently at said, we're not going to match the rival. And uh, in my opinion, more to save face than anything, he took the rival deal and left the, the, the existing deal that he really wanted to be re-upped at because, well, you know, I'm being sent a message and, or I'm being insulted and, or this is really the the number that I set out to make. So I'm crossing the street and they did. So sometimes it doesn't always go the way you want, but if the bottom line is the money, you know, you're going to follow it. Now, here's the deal. You didn't hear about any of this. What, what I have done is, is smushed together at least six, seven, eight different writers, Uh, into this. And no, I'm not going to name names. Uh, But certainly, yes, along those lines, were there giant million-dollar deals being uh, doled out to mainly writers? Yes, there were. And they did not want you to know about it because then you would say, hey, this issue of this sure ain't worth the, you're getting paid. And you would tell them that to their face if you could because that's what we do. We're extremely rude as a society. We yell out things to our sports Uh, stars when we are in the same arena uh madison square garden staples uh the garden you know comic fans i've always told you comic book fans and sports fans to me are very very much the same they pick their favorites they have their teams the talents that they root for and they're not having it from anyone else but when those talents fall short they will let you know it full stop they will shove it right into your face So what was happening with the artists during this time? Well, they were getting less and less and less because yes, to pay the higher ratings, they had to cut it from somewhere else. And colorists and inkers and pencilers did get cut by both companies. Rates were falling across the 2000s. So it made it more difficult. And even if you could, as an artist, be one of those one percenters that could procure a $800 to $1,000 per page uh, salary, you maybe were doing four issues, five issues a year. So you got the big page rate, but you did not, you know, maintain. Maybe, maybe you did not maintain how possibly prolific you were a decade prior. And in doing so, you couldn't keep up with what these giant writing talents were doing. So we're still, you're still at the end of this episode, not going to know about uh, a lot of the numbers that these 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 talents were making because, again, because they don't want you to know, and they never want you to know because they don't want you to associate maybe that that swoon no. Or, or, or that that down that down period where the stuff wasn't so good, and go you were wow because that's how we work. We're getting you're getting paid that much to miss free throws. You're getting paid that much to drop that pass. Um, you're getting paid that much to make that piece of crap fill in the TV show or fill in the movie. That's what we do. You, I'm 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 the mirror people. I'm just holding it up to you, and you know it, and I know it. Okay. Um, I do want to say here midway through. No one gets into comic books to get rich. No one gets into comic books to get rich. I also don't believe, you know, actors get into the field to get rich. That there is an expression of yourself, your artistic self, that you just want to be able to do and be compensated for. Make the rent. You know how many actors, um, you know, I'm I'm going to reform that sentence and tell you that during this last actor strike, which again, you guys, was about money was about future earnings and how the studios were paying them less and less and less and standing up for what you're worth. So of course, everything is about money, but we never read about money in comic books again. Like just keep coming back to that. But when artists just want to be able to get paid for what they love, I lived in an apartment, some of these writers on strike during this writer's strike, it was written and said, hey, maybe you're going to go into the grocery store in LA and Hollywood and see an actor that you've recognized bagging your groceries or acting as a clerk or working you know, a nine to five job. And they're, they're like, be respectful of them. They have to pay rent. They have to pay their overhead too. They have families. And and so again, no one gets into this to be rich. Sometimes it just happens for you. It happens for a Tom Cruise who separates from the rest of you know, the Brat Pack or the cast of The Outsiders or the cast, you know, uh, of Taps, you know, and takes off and he becomes the premier talent of his generation and he has such good taste and gets such good instincts that it takes him all the way to these giant $100 million paydays. But comic book talent, certainly none of us, we experienced, some of me and my peers and people who've come since have experienced tremendous uh, surges of, 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 uh, of financial success but it was certainly not why we got into it. We got into it because we wanted to tell stories and we wanted to get paid, be able to pay the electric bill, the gas bill, uh, by, by means of drawing pictures or writing stories. And look, before the royalty system in comic books was, uh, it, it was enacted, the, the, the page rate was how you got things done. Famously, Jack Kirby, again, he said it in interviews, he said it in in, in panels, and he said it to my face at dinner at his home. Rob, I'm not going to do the Jack Kirby voice. Rob, he said, I did three pages a day because I had to. I had to pay for rent. I had to pay for our overhead. I had to pay for our bills. I was raising a family. I did it out of necessity. I did it, and then it just became automatic, And which is why you got so much tremendous Jack Kirby work. I mean, again, even towards the the end of his prime, which I'm going to call when he exits the stage around 77, 78. He comes back to Marvel. He does two to three books a month. Captain America, Black Panther, Machine Man, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Odyssey, Devil Dinosaur, The Eternals. They were all crossing over. Uh, He'd be doing three of those at any given time. And then when that ended, he jumped on the Machine Man, Devil Dinosaur, you know, uh, wrapping up the Eternals bandwagon, but, but he launched out of that cannon with 2001 Captain America and Black Panther. So he was constantly giving you three issues a month, even a- a- as we were approaching the eighties, because he had to, the royalties were not there, uh, until 1981, the equity in characters, the equity, uh, in, in the actual comic book sales and the revenue sharing was not something that happened until 1981, and then it transformed. And I'm going to tell you one one way it transformed the comic book industry. And uh, one one way that that it played to the detriment of so many, so many of my favorite characters was one of my favorite periods for the Avengers is from 1975 to 2000. I'm sorry, from it's it's actually issue 140. 1 to 200. That's what I meant to say. 141 to 200. And the calendar years happened to be 1975 to 1980. That 200, uh, I saw as 2000 in my mind, forgive me. It was five incredible years, about five and a half incredible years. Two of the top talents in the industry traded doing that book, John Byrne, George Perez, John Byrne, George Perez, George Perez, John Byrne. They did so many great sagas, the Corback Saga, Count Nefaria, Ultron, Jocasta, uh, some crazy time traveling, Kang Immortus stuff. Uh, you know, even even two parters with the absorbing man. Just just every issue was a delight and it was among the best uh that the comics had to offer because it was by two of the top talents in comic books. And they would mix that in with doing Fantasy Four X Men, whatever whatever other assignments they were juggling because both John and George were generally counted on to do at least you would see them on two comics a month uh, routinely again paying the rent got got a uh, George lived in New York City he lived or for a while in Manhattan and then right outside of Manhattan and again you know even then m- m- much much bigger nut uh, than than someone who was living in Idaho or Montana or Wyoming beautiful countries but not the same uh, rent and and overhead. But these guys were were incredibly prolific, and then the royalties happened, and the X Men became the big comic. Book. The X Men became the big train to ride, and it happened after John Byrne left, ironically. But it was partly due to all of the the, the excitement that he brought, and and as the X Men in the eighties, early eighties, became the royalty gravy train, the top talents so many of the names that would come in, so many of the great new talents. Rick Leonardi, Art Adams, okay? Uh, the aforementioned Mark Silvestri. They they positioned themselves on the X-Men. The X-Men drew the hot artists to its franchise, and the Avengers was now no longer being considered by any of them. Team book to team book, right? But one of them had Wolverine, and one of them sold hundreds of thousands more sales, which meant many, many more uh, dimes in your pocket and if you don't believe me I'm going to give you a quote directly from Dave Cockrum who is responsible for launching the X-Men in the first place the giant size X-Men the new X-Men that you know and love he is he brought Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler in his sketchbook from DC Comics the untold uh, history of the X-Men is a, is, an, is a podcast if you go to my uh, if you go to my uh, library and you d- type in Dave Cockrum those episodes I believe will pop up Because it tells you how all of these characters were going to be in the book that he was doing for DC Comics called Legion of Superheroes. But they pissed him off. He crossed the street. He brought all of these designs, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm among them. Giant-sized X-Men happens. uh, Over time, transforms our expectations and our excitement of the X-Men. And he draws the book up until issue 107. And it was a fan favorite. People were loving it. They were digging it. But they Marvel wanted it to go monthly. They wanted it, it, it to increase in circulation. And that's when John Byrne came on board. Dave Cockrum then was a staff artist. But when John Byrne left, and it was a brilliant move, and I remember going, oh my gosh, this is the best news ever. They brought Dave back. So Dave was there at the beginning. John then does his incredible thing. But you're sad John Byrne is leaving. But who are we bringing back? The guy you loved from the beginning of this adventure with these characters. We're bringing back Dave Cockrum. Dave Cockrum is going to tell you in this quote, how much it meant when he lost those royalties off the X Men, and 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 what he regrets. He absolutely invokes, and this is now in the period of 1982, 1983, So we are entering again. The next, right around the corner is Paul Smith, and 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 the next is Rick Leonardi, and then next is Mark Silvestri, and the next is Westry, and the next is Arthur Adams, and they all really played in the X Men pool, because what Chris Claremont and the X Men editors could tell them is you're never going to make more money, you're never going to have a higher uh, uh, visibility for your talent than you are when drawing the x-men so again don't don't take my word for it D- uh, th- th- these are the creators speaking out and and for fans like myself so, so you gotta understand in, in in 19 in 1982 i'm 14 years old reading this i'm reading this interview at 14 years old and and my some of my favorite creators and dave dave Cockrum was absolutely among my favorite creators he was one of my top top Three top five pencilers. Sometimes he was he was my favorite penciller. You know, depending on the issue and what he was drawing. To hear him go in on an interview, uh, whether it was a comics interview magazine or Amazing Heroes, and say outright, uh, "Here's the quote." Uh, he he was actually uh, he revisits it in a quote uh, in 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 1999. He told interviewer John B. Cook, uh, "The biggest mistake I ever me- made was leaving the X Men to do the Futurians. The Futurians." Was a group of characters that I adored, that I love, that Dave created himself, and he went on to uh, make a graphic novel with Marvel, and then later uh, left Marvel Comics and 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 took them to a independent company called Deluxe, and did the Futurian series, and it is a beloved series by people who love Dave Conkroom and great character designs of which he is one of the best ever to do it along up there alongside Jack Kirby. Um, he. He wanted to take a shot at writing and creating his own book. It was called The Futurians, and they—they uh, they, uh, basically Marvel encouraged him to go that route. They felt like that—that's where his interest was. And in 1999, he says that was this was the biggest mistake of my life. This was just around the time when I was getting the royalties and the reprint money from the X Men. He says, "Here, here you go." Now, this is 1982, uh, talking about his time during 1982. He says. It takes nine months after an issue goes on sale before Marvel gives you that royalty check. So I hadn't received a royalty for my work on X-Men by the time I left for the Futurians. So I had quit the X-Men. And then as I was working on the, 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 the Futurians, a check for $2,000 arrived right out of the air. I thought, geez, and it only got better. I only made more money. If I had known about that kind of money coming in from X-Men, you couldn't have pried me Off that book with a crowbar, the Futurians were never that successful. So there you go, Dave Cockrum himself talking about the royalties that he was receiving and he identifies that check in 1982 as $2,000. Imagine if you're not even getting paid $2,000 in in page rates at that time to make the X-Men, the number one selling book, and then you're getting an additional two, so you're doubling your income. Those royalties were crazy and, and you heard him, it only got bigger from there. And in multiple different interviews, in regards to his time with the Futurians, because the Futurians ultimately didn't turn out as well as he had hoped, he says he regrets uh, taking the Futurians from Marvel to Deluxe. He wishes he had published it with them because the sales would have been higher and the royalties would have been greater. And ultimately, as I just read to you, he regrets. He, what, what what's the quote again? It's uh, the, his exact words uh, are are uh, <clears throat> that was probably the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake of my life uh, geez. And it only got better. If I had known about that kind of money coming in, dot, 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 you couldn't have pried me off that book, the X-Men with the crowbar. So you get, you get it, you know, getting rewarded and that extra income on your work matters. It matters to these talents. And so anyway, in the two thousands, especially on those second contracts, these writers got even bigger deals. And, and, and you never heard about it because they didn't want you to hear about it because they don't want you asked talking about the drop balls, the missed field goals. You know what we hear about? How little the field goal kicker is, is paid and how replaceable they are. And you know, if your team, if that guy misses two or three field goals in a game, they're cut that Monday, they're done, they're gone, you know, and it always, they'll just get another, they're disposable. Okay. But again, you get a big quarterback, you get a big payday. You get a big point guard, a center, and suddenly it hampers the team. They can't spend. They can't build around you. Look, the talents of the day didn't want you to know what they were making. 1% of pencilers, 1% make between $800 and $1,000 a page uh, and maybe slightly more. 1%. Most of your current people are not bringing in that kind of money. And so what's happened to the comic book economic structure for creators uh, because that that money is now no longer available to writers as well. Now, many of these top writers have left and gone on and had tremendous experiences going back to the creative space, to go, to going back to the creator own space. And when one day they look up and they're selling a hundred thousand dollars, now let's get back hundred thousand copies or one hundred twenty five thousand copies, and, get, uh, and, and now they're getting let's say a dollar, buck twenty five a book, a buck fifty, buck seventy. They're doing just fine. Some of these, uh, like I said, are there million, are there millionaire uh, talents out there among you as we wrap up uh, this convention season uh, in 2023, and there's some big shows on the horizon. Will they will they be on the floor with you? Of course they will. Will you know about it? No, they don't want it advertised. The industry doesn't pry. The industry doesn't look to see what the compensation is. Uh, it's it's not even. I would say it's not on any relative level to the other entertainment industries, and that would be an understatement. It is apparently of zero interest. And I'm not trying to tell you to go find out what these people made. It is a, it is b- having been in comic books for five decades and, and watching that this practice, uh, it, again, again, the talent do not want you to know. Many, and many of the times when you read about the big contracts for movies and television and sports, it's because the agents and the, the people they want you to know. Now you'll read about when a, when a book sells a ton. And then just like these Taylor Swift era's tour reporting, you've got to then go, where's, where's the money go? Well, how much goes to the venue? How much goes to the the workers, the crew that sets up the the, the, the road? How much uh, goes in taxes? And, and trust me, Forbes and some of these Fortune magazines will, will, will nickel and dime uh, down to the exact penny what Taylor Swift is making because it interests them. They can't believe that this singular uh, female power is out there driving the market in the way that it is, saving the L.A. hotel scene in late summer. And again, you know how many times I heard that? People at Hilton, at Marriott, at Hyatt. Oh my gosh, Taylor Swift saved us. And, 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 and the amount of revenue. When when we were catching our shuttle back uh, after Taylor Swift, we were, we were with people from Las Vegas, from Arizona, from North Dakota, people. Again, it was a huge travel episode. And again, they're happy to report on it. It was being reported by every news station. They all had the reporters each and every day when she was out here. So the money of it all is something that is regularly regularly reported on. It is never reported on in comics for all manner of different various reasons, which I have shared with you today. What's happening in the space now, besides certain creators going back to the independent world and striking gold uh, following their uh, success uh, that they've experienced at the big two and then trading it into interest in their own work, which is very reminiscent of what happened with 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 Image Comics in the, in the early 90s so many of your artists who are uninterested or unable to do monthly work have obviously taken it to the convention sector and with their prints their uh their their print to order books their commission revenue they are doing extremely well uh, i i, I the, the the does it require touring well yes it's just like any any business uh the touring is is where is where a lot of uh you know, revenues are created. In many ways, comic books is also very much like the music industry. And I'll wrap with this. And and uh, I'm obviously very familiar with this band, Extreme. Uh, right in 1990, 1991, they had a book, uh, a huge breakout song called More Than Words. It played nonstop every radio station. MTV played the video around the clock. Uh, really great song. They had, they had, they had a, a, another single called Wholehearted, also a great song. But uh, suddenly they were... Moving records, they had they were charting. And one day, uh, an, an, an issue of Rolling Stone came out and it had a profile on Extreme, as they were preparing to release their follow-up album, which they rushed into uh, to capitalize on the success of the album that contained the More Than Words breakout song and Wholehearted, which was a, a, a nice size hit. And I was shocked. This is when I learned about the music industry. And they talked about how their first album, which I hadn't heard of, uh, hadn't done well at all. It hadn't it hadn't sold. And they signed a record deal. The record company paid for the studio time. And that means the electricity, the lights, the air conditioning. In, in addition to all of the other technical aspects of recording an album. All of those costs are piled up. And then handed back to the talent. And deducted before the talent gets paid. And that happens on pretty much every album. But when the album, their first album came out and it tanked. All those costs carried over. And it is fortunate for them that the studio said, well, we're going to give you one more shot. Go in and make a second album. And off that came their two uh, hits, More Than Words and Wholehearted. But they, in this album, said we didn't make any money off that second album because we were so in debt off our first album. All the success of the second album was... Put towards the debt of the first and second. So, so you had the debt of the first album, which which lost money. Then all that debt transfers. They then go in. They again the air conditioning, the electricity, the 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 uh, the engineers, the the, you know, the, the 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 tapes, the recording, all of that costs money. That is now applied to the second album. So the bill goes up. So they finally have breakout hits, and they get to a break even. And so then they're rushing out a third album, but they're also saying we're going out on tour because the only way that we can make money is touring. And that is why you have seen this giant expansion of conventions across North America and the world. And trust me, uh, since 2019, I've been to uh, Saudi Arabia. I've been to Abu Dhabi. I have been to Dubai. I have traveled the world going to different shows. I have been to London. I have been to Paris. Uh, I, I, have, I have been all over the world doing signings, doing conventions, uh, meeting with people about their interest in doing the same, and here in North America, there's there's it, it feels like four shows every weekend. We're a big enough country we can do this, and we do. And then you add in Canada, you're getting you're getting shows all the time. And there are the warriors that are out there. They're they're on a plane every five days, sometimes for six to seven weeks. At an end, they take a couple break. They take a couple weeks off, and then boom, they're back on the circuit for another six to seven weeks. A break, and then back. And they are doing it going basically what we've talked about here before, direct to consumer and what that's, I'm going to tell you right now that that model is unsustainable if you want to do anything regarding monthly work. So, so some of our most talented, uh, illustrators are getting their money on the convention circuit, uh, and doing personal appearances instead of doing the work, uh, do, doing more comic book work. And look, that's their choice. There's no condemnation. Uh, Once again, artists just want to pay the bills. They just want to do well in life and that's what they're doing. But much of it has been the the, the sacrifice of actually doing the work itself and now they are there really performing for you, drawing for you, signing for you. I really enjoy doing personal appearances and I enjoyed getting out there and sharing all my exclusive covers and exclusive content, but it came time to pay the piper in terms of time and health and I stayed home and for the last uh, it, it, it's going into its second year here. I, I, I am doing two shows a year: San Diego and New York. Basically, the big giant, the big giant summer show, and the big giant fall show, and two spectacular shows. But the grind of doing all the shows and appearances in 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 Texas, in Florida, doing Chicago, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, doing Arizona, all these great markets. I just somebody like myself who's interested in in, in making, making the work, make, making stories and telling stories. You can't do both. Most people can't do both. So there's been a decision made and many of your favorite creators have gone on the road. They've gone on the road like extreme to pay for, uh, for the lifestyle that they want by touring. Like, Hey, Taylor Swift, that tour is making her, uh, you know, obviously a a, a giant, uh, amount, uh, her, her wealth has increased, uh, tenfold over the course of this era's tour. And it will only now increase further because she is such a winner that the endorsements and all of the other things are going to follow. So, you know, again when 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 uh when a team goes into signing a great quarterback or an NBA team, they know that they can draw off ancillaries, uh the the jerseys, the hats, all of the different stuff that goes into the giant pool to pay but there's also caps. They can only spell, spend a certain amount of money, but it's interesting in that when, when creating the comic book uh, budgets, it's really just publishing. They don't want to go outside of all the different categories and make a giant pool for, let's say, a certain character because that that they, they don't want to put any of that other merchandise money in there. Maybe occasionally they've said, getting this talent will ra- 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 raise all the ships. raise it- It'll raise the entire tide. and And in doing so, it's it's, uh, it's important to go and, and, and do that payday. There are a couple talents left in the business who I believe would get giant seven-figure paydays if they decided to embrace a character, but they'd have to do the work. The work would have to be done. For them to get the payday, the accountants, and trust me, I know them, they are going to make sure that there is a hard and fast deadline and work is turned in and the results are there. They're not paying for a name in lights that isn't accompanied by a great performance. So, maybe two, three of those still exist and and uh, and maybe we'll see them in, in our lifetime. But other than that, the spending boon, the spending uh, of the 2000s, because a lot of those writers that were doing four books a month doing all uh, of all these different names that I'm, I'm throwing at you, like I said, six to eight different names come to mind. Uh, eventually, they did all the characters. Their voices, which were new in 2000, were now burned out by 2010, 2011. And what they all try to do a switch, switch chairs, run over, get the other pay, get the other pay, get the rival. Uh, but, but, but the, you know, the impact wasn't there. And so the money wasn't there. And now, as I understand it, it's really not there uh, in that way, in the way that it was in the early two thousands. So we had an all money episode and I covered as much as I possibly could in helping you understand. And isn't it interesting because at the end of this episode, we are at the same place that we were when we started. No one in comic books talks about money. They desperately do not want you to know. Like I said, some of my favorite books uh, got cut short. The Avengers really did not, for 20 plus years, became a book that talent did not flock to because the sexy names, the Joe Matieras, the Travis Charest, uh the Kubert the brothers, they were drawn to the X-Men. They needed the big Big heavy hitters were required on the big heavy hitting books, and that period where two of the biggest fan favorites, two of the biggest talents of an era, would, would 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 go back and forth on the Avengers for five years. That's 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 been gone since then and never revisited in that same manner. But uh, man, lot to cover. But at the end of the day, there there is no real talent cleaning up in these upfront advances against future earnings because as the business we continue to fluctuate and we are i believe coming out of a soft period and going back into a strength uh the pandemic had this weird effect on comic books they all went up everybody was i mean the other day i went to a store that i hadn't been to in a long time and he told me the exact same thing i've never in a long time i mean i haven't talked to this guy in eight years and he said to me well rob you know the pandemic we all just wanted to get you know revisit our childhood uh our, our our childhood loves and and and, and 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 in a time of panic and uncomfort, we we embraced uh, what comforted us when we were we were young. Well, that's the exact same thing my handyman said to me in 2020. And these dudes do not know each other, so that sentiment is out there. And maybe that is part of why it was it, it, it things grew in the collectible market, not just comics, coins, stamps. Look, I have another friend who tells you, who told me all of that was literally spurned by the uh, the free money the get the government. the the COVID payouts that we all got. Some households, you know, got five checks, whatever, kept it all for themselves, spent it on collectibles, whatever. All I know is it entered a boom period and then it's been softened over the last year. But but basically uh, from what I'm seeing in terms of sales across the board, the auction houses, uh, that your comic book sales collectibles we're, we're swinging back up again but we did an all money episode I told you as much as I possibly could I told you I wasn't going to name names and I didn't and half of the people who you think that I was talking about I wasn't you just know that going into it but again we were due an all money episode think about it think about how interesting it is that, that the writers of some of your best-selling characters you have no idea what they ever got paid to make that but if that was music Movies, television, you know, it would be front page. It, it would be something that you absolutely immediately associated with that person. And then possibly you would tie that compensation to their talent, their, their, their successes and their failures. And that is just been a, a no-go and, and has been successfully uh, smothered over all these, over all these years. So, so the money episode, maybe there'll be a follow-up. Uh, I'll, I'll review this episode and see what I didn't cover, but this was a good laying of the foundation so that you understand the the the, the money in comics and why you never hear anything about it. So, so uh, what we learned today was that comic book people in no way, shape, or form what. You to know what they make. Just in retrospect, just one final wrap up of all those thoughts that were shared today. Yes, I'm entertained by it. I, I guess uh, my 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 community is really good at keeping it on the down and on the low. Once again, maybe we'll revisit this uh, again in the future and 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 we'll expand on it. But that that was a good foundation with which to uh, to to kind of kind of lay the groundwork and and get a better understanding. As far as comic books going and doing comic books and, and and making them, I have comic books out there in the wild waiting for you to, to participate in. Uh, Deadpool, Batter Blood, 1, two, three, four are out June, July, August, September. They have been arriving at your comic store. You've been selling out of them. I thank you so much. It's a little frustrating. The, the same weekend uh, that the, the book comes out, I, I will go to a store and they won't have it on, on, on the shelf. The other day, I, I looked at the guy. I look back at the shelf, uh, I was looking at the new books, I look back at the guy and he was kind of looking at me like, don't say it. And I'm like, I'm not going to say it. And we both knew. Because come on, come on, why do why you have all these uh, uh, five, six, seven, eight copies of these other books and there's none of mine? What are you doing? You don't have anything for the cu- customer when they come in. It's a really weird time that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I, I, I'm sympathetic to it. No judgment but I'm not going to lie and tell you that it's it's frustrating when the book uh, is is out the day or a day after it comes out because there's nothing for new people to encounter, especially if you're in the in the you know practice of pr- promoting uh, as as I am as I enjoy doing. I want as many eyeballs on the work as possible, and I, and I speak for all creators. It's not just me. I, I again I, I uh, mentioned I think the last time the last show that Mark Miller had had put up that his his big game keeps selling out and he actually said out loud, retailers, please order more copies. And that's of his book because people were saying they couldn't get copies of his most recent issue. Well, Deadpool Batter Blood number 5 comes out on October 13th. 4 came out about a week ago. Uh, I, I think Deadpool Batter Blood... The entirety of the series is the best work I have ever cobbled together. Super inspired. Really felt, again, that the spirit of the greats uh, who just kept telling me, Rob, have more fun. Have more fun with your pages. Uh, d- d- dynamicism. Is that even a word? Uh, dynam- I'm just going to say dynamics. Dynamics, big, bold action and fun are, are missing from comics. I flipped through many of them. A lot of comics are really quiet. I purposely turn the volume up and make my comics a little louder, maybe a lot louder. Deadpool, batter Blood, one, two, three, four are out. Issue five is coming out in October on October eighteenth i am excited to to wrap the series up but it doesn't end on there in november there is a deadpool special the seven slaughters i have a 10 page story that revisits a a character i never really got to do a whole lot with a character that i created but you're going to see and hear more about that soon but deadpool seven slaughters so i'll be with you again in november again six, six half of the year uh i i have been um on the shelves with brand new product waiting for you to interact with it i am excited for you to find the work i hope you find the work and thank you in advance for finding the work new york comic con's coming up new york comic con is like october i think it's like 12 13 14 15 16 if i say enough days i'll get one right but it's in that range i cannot wait to see you guys uh, i will be In Artist Alley at the Hot Flips booth, you won't be able to miss me when I'm signing. Uh, We'll have our signage and our stuff up. Uh, We're right there at the front with Hot Flips, who has a booth positioned right at the entrance of the primary Artist Alley. We are going to be debuting this Captain America number one Sam Wilson variant, which homages my famous Cap cap boobs pick. It has become uh, the most requested cover I have done in recent memory and easily over a decade and we are going to have the physical copies on hand for the first time. We are purposely not going uh, through the digital portals. We're not going through live streams or or offering them through any of our, our whatnots or anything at this moment. You're going to get them when 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 newer Comic-Con happens. You meet us there. You will get these comics. Uh, I, I I have a VIP package on my Roblifeldcreations.com. Roblifeldcreations.com is a site you should visit because all uh, that you can... Uh, participate or purchase on that site are these VIP packages or reservations for custom signatures on that Captain America number one that we're going to have in in New York Comic-Con. So I'm excited about seeing you all at New York Comic-Con. I'll be there uh, signing each and every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Thursday is probably going to be a tighter window, which is why we officially say that uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are your best bets in order to redeem those VIP packs. But I will be there Thursday if I see you. Great. If not, again, I'm going to be there each and every day. Can't wait to interact with you and, and sign your comics, New York comic-con such a great show, the biggest uh, show uh, of the fall by, by far. And, and just, just a tremendous show. Everybody who puts it on, take a bow in advance. You guys always put on a, a great show. At the end of each and every one of these episodes, I share the reviews that you leave with me uh, about the show that, that you, you reach out and share. And we just cannot thank you enough for reaching out, typing uh, these reviews uh, and helping support the show. It absolutely supports the show. These are amazing ways that you can help us and uh, and heighten the awareness and and continue to get the message out. And I will continue to try and pick the most interesting uh the most interesting topics like today's money episode to uh, to to kind of uh, pique your interest stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else. Hopefully, we're giving it to you here on Rob Observations. Today, I'm giving you a review from John Bishop. Sounds like a familiar name because it is a familiar name as Bishop is from the x but it is not that Bishop. This is John Bishop. He contacted me. This is really sweet. He wrote me and said, I have always loved your work since I was a kid and first read Cable and X-Force. I've had the pleasure to meet you a few times at signings and you are always the nicest guy to me and my son. Thank you for all of that. I follow your social media and your podcast. And as a father and as a human being, you inspire me. I adopted a quote from you as a mantra where you say at the end of the day, I'm just going to outwork you. This got me through college and grad school as a returning adult student competing against 25 year old students. What a incredibly sweet message, John. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for posting that. Thank you for sending that to me. I cannot uh, again just express to you the inspiration I, I, I get from uh, just knowing that you listen to the show and and stuff like that. Quote, because that's it. That that's the end of the day. That like I said, for me, uh, getting getting 140 pages of interiors out there this last year. I try and do a hundred a year is 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 me staying in the game i feel like you can best comment and interact with the comic book business by being part of it and it goes beyond just doing covers and i understand if you just want to do covers cover artists that's great i want to tell stories i want to move you i want to inspire you i want to make you laugh in the middle of the story i want to get your blood worked up i want you to dig an action sequence so that's my version of outworking and john i love that you took this as a mantra when you went back and again competing with younger kids uh that, that 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 somehow inspired you john bishop thank you for writing me thank you for inspiring me and i will continue to think of you when i do this podcast and 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 uh and, and upload each and every issue and, and hope that others like you can also be inspired hey i am all over social media on twitter or they call x i am at robert liefeld r-o-b-e-r-t-l-i-e Feldi, have the blue check next to my name. It comes and goes. Right now, it's um that pes- pesky blue check is back. It tells you that I am uh, certifiable in in many ways, but I, that is really me. It's it's a uh, it's a verification that the real Rob Liefeld is talking to you. I love listening to your comments, your messages, your DMs. Interacting with you on Twitter slash X is is a is a highlight. It's so much fun. I am on there regularly, and uh, again, th- thank you for following me uh, on on Twitter slash X, X at Robert Liefeld is where you're going to find me. It's really me, and I love hearing and, and and interacting with you there. On Instagram, kind of my video diary of my life where I share with you pictures of where I've been, uh, my travels, the work that I'm doing, drawings, uh, the food that I'm eating, the people that I'm hanging out, my family, my friends. I, I really, Instagram is is by far and away my favorite of all the social media platforms. And I am so glad that my wife got me on there early and I was able to get my name, Rob Liefeld as a result, very early on. She said, you would like this app and and I didn't know existed. She liked it. I got on there. I am at Rob Liefeld. Another uh, one of those blue checks tells you that not only am I certifiable, I am legit. That is a, a verification that the real Rob Liefeld is, is the, um, is, is the account that you are following. I am at Rob Liefeld, simple, at Rob Liefeld, over on Instagram. Uh, That's where you'll find me sharing, again, what I'm drawing, uh, the the people I'm hanging out with, and and, and maybe sometimes, unfortunately, what I'm eating. So I look forward to seeing you over on Instagram, at Rob Liefeld. Over on Facebook, I have a group. My group is called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. We would love for you to join us. Myself and a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, are the moderators, the administrators. We will be the ones who likely click you on through. If you submit for the membership, Uh, so many of the conversations that we start here continue over in that group more long form. There's more hanging out. There's more talking. Uh, We share comics, art, uh, just really fun group uh, growing uh, each and every day. Thrilled to have you join us. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of the group. We look forward to you and and I look forward to clicking you through and having you be a part of our community over there on Facebook. New York Comic Con, social media, uh, Deadpool batter blood, Deadpool seven sliders. I'm trying to promote as much as just kind of go over the list of everything that I have out and make sure that I got it uh got, got it out there to you so that you can 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 find me in all these different places. Uh really excited, just excited. We're 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 really uh, barreling towards the end of the year and I continue to I will I will continue to be here. Thank you for uh supporting this show. And, uh, basically four out of seven days, you have made us the number one show each and every week in regards to the comic book category. And we are so thankful that you do that and so thankful that you show up in the way that you do continue to spread the word, subscribe, uh, so, so that you get this show first and it hits your, uh, you'll get that notification. The minute it uploads, we keep uploading them earlier and earlier so that they are available, especially for you on the uh, East coast that you can get them, uh, while we're still sleeping here on the west coast hey at the end of each and every episode i want to wish you all the very best i hope that your emotional health your spiritual health your mental health and your physical health is exactly where you need and want it to be i hope you are happy uh my my my, i always kind of uh give you that extra nudge towards getting off the grind uh take take a day take take time to uh just explore what you dig and what you like and get off the the grind of life of 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 being a parent of, of of being a partner of uh of just the, the 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 enormous responsibilities that come with your job reboot reading a good comic book a graphic novel watch a great movie have a great meal uh have candy is this the first time i'm never going to mention the rhesus peanut butter cups with pretzels and potato chips and cocoa puffs no i guess i guess it's not I, I i worked that in but i i am rooting for you i hope that you are doing okay and again take 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 time out uh from your busy schedule, get on that recliner, get on that big plushy beanbag. Uh, like I have video games. I never mentioned those cause I don't play them, but I know so many of you do and they're a great escape. So, Hey, I am rooting for you. I want you uh, to be at your very best and, uh, just know we all, we all get it. The life life is, is just, uh, it's crazy out there and, and it's a burden. And, and sometimes we just got to step off the treadmill and, and, uh, and, and just do us Uh, For a little while and escape and I am rooting For you fist bump boom over the blue Mic thank you so much for joining Us I implore You to come back and Visit because I'm going to be here And we will Most definitely Absolutely and inevitably Talk again real soon